KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. The hacking of that colonial pipeline has caused problems with gasoline supply along the East Coast. How could this happen? What vulnerabilities does this point out in the system? And while we're talking gasoline, how are the oil and gas industries positioned as we emerge from the pandemic and head into a summer where it looks like demand is going to be very, very high? To talk about all of this, we reached out to Dr. Scott Jackson, visiting assistant professor in the Department of Chemical and Biological Engineering at Villanova. University. Just for context, we actually taped this interview a couple of hours before it was announced that operations were restarting on the pipeline. Give a listen. So this hacking of the Colonial Pipeline, which shut down operations, in the grand scheme of things, how big a deal is this? This really sounds like it's just a huge artery in the the way we get things from A to B as far as our our gas system, no? Well, yeah, it is. It, It is a big deal. So for the east and the southeast, part of the United States. Don't get me wrong. There's lots of other pipelines throughout the United States. So so first of all, people, I think, when they woke up and heard the news, whenever that was, they said, that much of our gasoline is coming from a pipeline that starts out in Houston, Texas? That that can't be right. It has evolved over the years. So that pipeline, I think, was established sometime in the 1960s. It didn't carry that much back then. And in fact, there's a tremendous refining capacity in and around the Philadelphia area for, for many years. In the last five or six years, that capacity has slowly eroded away. The biggest one was the Philadelphia re- refinery, which used to be an Arco refinery. When they had the fire, they decided, well, just shut it down. The facilities are, were old. There was also a Texaco refinery right across the river that also shut down. That, that's all gone now. So actually, in the Delaware Valley area, it was one of the largest concentrations of refineries in the United States up until about five or six years ago. So the demand doesn't go away. So how was demand supplied? And it was essentially supplied by these pipelines. There's actually two of them, but the pipeline we're talking about here is the primary one. So it's talking about about 45% of the use. And, and what they do is they'll campaign different materials through that pipeline. One of them is what we all are concerned about is gasoline in our cars. But the other one is jet fuel. And the other one is diesel fuel. Okay, so all three elements Airports are going to be affected or have been affected. Obviously, gasoline and then diesel engines, which runs our trucks, are are all affected, right? So I think a lot of people had no idea how much of our energy was coming from that pipeline. It's sort of nice that people have a wake-up call to realize, oh, we have this mix of energy, and we're so dependent on this one pipeline. So what got us there is basically economics, so as these refineries that, that were older and wouldn't, couldn't compete with newer versions of the refineries on higher capacity uh, on, the, on the Gulf Coast, they just shut down because they were, weren't making mon- much money, to be honest with you. Okay? Especially as the oil prices go up, refineries are squeezed, and basically they, their margins are, are really cut to, to the bone. When oil prices go down, refineries actually make a, a lot more money. Okay? But that, that hasn't happened too often in the last few years. So all the, the refining capacity goes away, or you know, a lot of it has gone away around the Philadelphia area and the Delaware Valley. All of a sudden, the pipeline's made up for it. And it makes sense because they can refine products down on the Gulf Coast a lot cheaper than we could necessarily in the, in the Philadelphia area. And guess what? Pipelines are really very efficient. Okay, so, so most people think when they hear pipelines, 
they usually think of oh, environmental disasters. There's a leak coming out of a pipeline, right? There's been a lot of pushback on extending pipelines down from Canada to bring in oil from, from Canada. Matter of fact, President Biden just shut down the uh, uh, XL pipeline, which was an extension, increased capacity. And, and the, I might add the Canadians are all bent out of shape about that. But I think it's the right thing because at the long term, we do have to get away from, from uh, petroleum-based, carbon-based energies. But the point is, we're now in this bind. The fact of the matter is, okay, economically, okay, refine it in the Gulf Coast. Pipelines are the safest and the most secure way of moving fluids, bar none. Uh, well, ship might be able to do it better. So if you don't have a pipeline, you're going to move it by rails. Rails are much more, much less safe. There's been a number of incidents where rail cars uh, in Canada and the United States have uh, derailed carrying crude oil from Canada and killed people uh, when they, they wiped out or uh, burned down parts of a, a towns, believe it or not. It's pretty crazy. Um, don't get me wrong. There have been accidents that have occurred with pipelines, and most people know about that. And that's what they associate with pipelines. But they, I don't think anybody really associated with how much of our energy, in certainly in the northeast and the south, southeast, coming from this one single pipeline. It's just amazing. So it is interesting. My daughter lives in Raleigh, and apparently there's gas shortages down there already. I, I'm actually sort of surprised at that. It makes a little bit of sense because there, there's the refining capacity up in, in the uh, Delaware Valley area. There's not much refineries down in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. So they're more reliant on basically this pipeline, whereas we actually do have some refining capacity. And in fact, the Philadelphia airport, as I understand it, a lot of their, their jet fuel is coming from the Traley refinery, which is just south of, uh, of the uh, airport. But they are getting some from uh, we're getting some from the pipeline. So they're OK. But what's amazing is that Atlanta airport, which is one of the biggest airports in the world, all of their jet fuel was coming from there. It's like. Holy crap, how are you going to move planes, right? So they, there's been t- some talk, well, you bring in the planes, they're, they're more loaded with fuel what, than what they normally do. They don't refuel up in Atlanta, and they just keep on going. Okay, I guess maybe that will work. But if flights are originally re- originating from Atlanta, it's like, how, how are you going to get fuel in there? I, I don't know. Be that's a man. So I think it surprised a lot of people that we are so dependent on this pipeline. What's doubly surprising is how it got hacked, right? And that brings all sorts of interesting things in because if they can hack basically the control systems for a pipeline, wow, you think they can hack our electrical system? I can assure you there have been attacks on our electrical systems, okay? You don't hear about it necessarily in the press. And I bet you it's the same kind of people, even though they call it the dark, I can't remember what the name that they've been attributing it to, but there's some belief that it has something to do with uh, either Russians or Chinese. And I have no doubt that that's what it is. I'm, in a sense, we're, I'll call it at war. I won't, maybe that's an, over an exaggeration. But this attack is whoever did it knew what they're doing because that pipeline is, is an artery for energy in the southeast and the east. Okay? And it, not a good thing. It's, very, it's like a juggler vein in a sense. Yeah. That, um, my next question was like how alarming is this not just for this incident but in this – Big picture, and is this a situation where we're going to learn that the the IT security was lax, or is it even more alarming that they had taken the steps to try to protect themselves and still couldn't? 
I think they'll learn, this is my opinion, that their IT was not up to snuff, that somebody, they, they uh, let things loose and they got hacked that way, okay? Banks, I can assure you, have the same issue. People are constantly trying to hack into banks, and guess what? Banks are very, very secure, and they have very hard firewalls that you can't get through, okay? Matter of fact, you, you know, you can get into your accounts and look at your accounts, but the fact of the matter is you can't get past that. So there's a very strong firewall. If banks can do it, utilities can do it, pipeline companies can do it, and the fact of the matter is that's very important infrastructure. And in my opinion, that has to be upgraded. I mean, there's no question that, that there's these cyber attackers going on. They will continue to go on because there are other countries in this world that would love to see the United States get hurt. And this is a good case of where we're getting hurt. So, yeah. So I think one of the things that we're, will come out of this, I hope, and I, I, got a, I got a feeling it's going to have to, is that we're going to have better security. We're going to have better firewalls. And, and that's all there is to it. I mean, to have it, it, it amazes me because in chemical engineering and, and, and chemical plants, they're all what's called the dist- distributed control system. So it's all all on computers. Right. And you think, OK, so so they're like they're little islands of, of security. And that's exactly what this pipeline was. So it was a distributed control system. And yet they managed to get into there and hack it. I mean, that's that's crazy. I mean, that, that should not be on the Web, to be honest with you. So obviously, it, it, in some way or form, it had been on the Web, and, and the hackers got into it and, and stole data and, and ransomed it. So the fact of the matter is there has been pipeline shutdowns before. One, uh, I can't remember when it was. There was a major leak in North Carolina, I believe it was, and the pipeline was shut down for a while. Most people ne- never heard about except they heard about the leak. They didn't hear about the fact the pipeline was shut down and, and impacting supply. And the other time was, uh, I can't remember what hurricane, might have been Hurricane Rita, slammed the, the Gulf Coast and all the refineries were shut down for, for a, a number of days, maybe a week. And that meant that they weren't pushing any things into the pipeline. So that meant nothing was coming out at the Northeast. Will this go away quickly? I hope so, because it days, does take time to start up the pipeline. So what happens is you think about the pipeline as being this gigantic train, right? So... So the, the cars go all the way from Houston all the way up to Linden, New Jersey, where, it's, where it ends. Along that, there's, there's some rail sidings that actually are, there's inventory there. And in fact, just outside of Wilmington, there's a set of storage tanks that services this pipeline. And so typically they may have as much as a week or two of inventory, depending on their needs. And I suspect they probably were high in inventory. This is my guess, because they were getting prepared for the driving season and, and the demand for gasoline is going to go up. And so they need to keep inventory up and then they'll, they'll work off the inventory as, as the summer progresses. So there is some built-in capacity. Obviously, that's not the case down in the Carolinas and Georgia, where the, I guess they've, they're, uh, the, I think I understood that the governors have declared it a state of emergency. Certainly my daughter's telling me she lives in Raleigh that you can't get gasoline down there. So, wow. So, People were surprised that we, they had so much of their energy coming from such a single source. And two, I think people are starting to re- I hope they realize how dependent we are on energy. And they, we take it for granted. And we shouldn't. We, we really shouldn't because, you know, this is a very complex thing. The economic optimum that we were driven to is not the most secure optimum. That is what I'm saying is we basically have 
almost half a supply of energy from, from fluids, from petroleum products, coming from one source. Does that make any sense? No. You should have, in a market, you should have multiple sources. You should have some degree of redundancy, and we don't have that. But And the third thing, yes, we need to have much more secure infrastructure going on. And, and so what happens if they hack the, uh, the, the electrical grid? Oh, my God. Will be chaos. It will absolutely be chaos. So, I can tell you another thing is, people who own electric cars are going. All right, I don't have to fill up with gas. <laughs> and there's, I'm glad I own an electric car. You know, <laughs> it's it's nuts. It is just nuts. So, I hope, from what I understand, they're going to be uh, hopefully get back up by the end of this week. It does take some time because, again, this very long train. You can you can try and pull the train. But what, they're, what they have to do is actually push the train. So they have to have pumps going on in sequence. They have to have the pumps so that they don't overpressurize the pumps or they don't what's called cavitate the pumps. They don't have too low pressure intake pressure on the pumps. And so it takes it long in stages. So they start up pressurizing one part, and then they pressurize another part, another part. And it may take as much of a day to get everything flowing through again because they, there actually are a series of pump stations all along the, the length of the pipeline. It is a complex process to a certain extent, but they know what they're doing, right? As long as they, they have control back um, to the system, they should be able to get things moving very quickly. But meanwhile, they've also depleted their inventories along the way, and they have to proudly keep the, the pipeline up at capacity in order to recover some inventories. This incident aside, we are seeing society emerge from the pandemic, and I think from this by this summer, we'll be pretty close to, you know, as the normal we were used to in most cases. How is our energy? Are we prepared for this surge in demand that I'm sure we're going to see over the next few weeks? That's a good question. So I've seen, so first of all, oil prices are going up or continue to go up. And, and, and the Saudis are happy about that because they, they've been working off uh, uh, inventory that was accumulated during the, the pandemic because of the, the demand dropped and they actually did a good drop, a uh, good job maintaining price of oil. Everybody's uh, thought it's going it, to, it did go negative for, for a very short time, but it's come back and, and they're happy. They're making a lot of money. So structurally we should have plenty of oil and gas. Okay. The, the shale oil is still being produced. There's now uh, increased drilling activity is much less than it was before the pandemic, but the, the wild card in this is apparently truck drivers. Whether they can find enough truck drivers to actually move the gasoline from wherever the stations are for the tankage to the gas stations, there, there, apparently there's a, there's a serious lack of truck drivers to move the gasoline around. So it's like, okay, so there's a chance that, that if there is a strong demand for gasoline, that we won't be able to actually move the gasoline to refill the gas stations quick enough and, and some gas stations will be running out of, out, of, out of gasoline. Whether that translates into higher fuel costs or not, probably that we will probably see an increase in fuel costs, simply because if, if stations are running out of gasoline, station operators aren't done, they're going to jack up their prices and trying to, to maximize their, their profit. Um, I mean, that, it sounds really nasty to say that, but that's supply and demand in some ways. So I hope that this what I had heard to be a dearth of truck drivers won't materialize and things won't happen. Things will move slowly. We have enough capacity to, to make the gasoline we, we were used 
So structurally, we should not be running out of gasoline during the summer because of high demand. But there may be, and we're learning this, issues with, with the supply chain. And that has nothing to do with the actual structural, our ability to, to generate gasoline or fuels for uh, cars and, and other things. Has the last year changed anything in this sector permanently? I mean, I'm sure adjustments had to be made on the fly. You mentioned electric car. I mean, yeah, has yeah. anything changed? Yeah. So one of the things that has changed, and I, I call it permanently, is they're much more cautious about unconventional fluids, specifically shale oil, shale gas. I think the producers before the pandemic were, were just drilling as much holes in the ground as they, they could. Down in the Permian Basin, it was, a, it was the biggest producer of, of uh, petroleum in the world, even larger than the, the Saudis were producing. And, and we, in the United States, was the number one producer of oil and natural gas in the world. That's not going to come back, I don't think. I think what's going to happen, and is happening, is there's a reconciliation. And it, it was starting to happen even before the pandemic hit. And that is that the oil and gas shale producers were realizing they weren't making enough money to support their drilling activities. Drilling activity is measured by what's called drill rigs, number of drill rigs. That's, cut, that's been cut down by a factor of, I think, four or five. Before the pandemic, there was about 1,500 drill rigs in the United States. Right now, it's around 300. It's slowly creeped up. It's almost at 500 now. But you're not going to see 1,500 again. I don't think ever, simply because people aren't willing to invest in shale oil because they know how difficult it is. The margins are a lot lower than they are in traditional oils like the Saudis. Those are called conventional reservoirs. It's very easy to, to get the oil out. Shale and shale gas, shale oil, much more difficult, much more expensive. And the returns aren't there unless the price of oil is a lot higher. So with the price of oil creeping up to $70 a barrel, the returns are probably going to be there, but you won't see everybody and the brother jump in all at once because they got burned and they'll get burned again if they and they know that. And the banks won't support them. They won't be able to get capital to, to, to drill. So that's a permanent change. It would be nice to think that that there's going to be a permanent change in the way we behave, in the way our respect. I call it respect for energy, that we have more value, recognize that we need to be less wasteful in a, in a sense of energy. But I don't think anybody's going to see that. There certainly is going to be a lot more people working from home uh, because, you know, it's been great for families. You get to interact with your kids more. You don't, you aren't uh, sitting on a 476 for an hour waiting for the, the traffic to move, right? Amen to that. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of plus. And guess what? If you're not sitting on 476, you're not burning gasoline. That's good, right? So there's going to be some permanent changes. Is it enough for, for what we need to do as a society, as a world? No. So climate change is real. No question whatsoever. We need to change our habits. It's not an easy thing to do. This colonial pipeline outage is sort of a wake-up call about how addicted we are to that, that source of energy, right? That has happened again back in the 70s when we had the two energy crisis. And, and I think a lot of people in the United States were, were just shocked when they, they learned what they, what they did. Did they change their habits? Yes, they did. 
Did they change it permanently? No, because the price of oil went right back down and, and the supply was there and people just forgot about it and said, I'll just take it for granted. We'll always have energy, right? We can't take it for granted that we'll always have energy. If anything that we learn from an instant like this is we have to take, we have to understand that we will, we can't take our energy supply for granted. People just can't think that, oh, well, gasoline comes out of gas pump. Who cares where it comes from? It's, it just goes into my tank and I burn it. Easy peasy, right? No, we can't be that way. We can't be that way. And it's going to have to do more than just this one instant for people to start thinking, gee, maybe I should be more conservative about our energy usage. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.